2: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: You're about to listen to an edition of Stories of Our Times. Just a quick warning, this episode does contain some strong language.
3: I am a proud Western
1: chauvinist!
3: I am a proud Western chauvinist who refuses to apologise for creating the modern world words of the loyalty oath of the Proud Boys, an all-male political group founded in 2016. During the first presidential debate, Donald Trump told the men who take this oath to stand back and stand by. So who are the so-called Proud Boys? What are they so proud of? And what are they standing by for? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, an encounter with the Proud Boys.
2: We're a drinking club with a patriot problem. As Proud Boys, I think our main objective is to defend the West.
0: Boys are an all-male right-wing extremist group known for anti-Muslim and misogynistic rhetoric and for inciting street violence. They were founded in 2016 by Gavin McInnes, a co-founder of Vice Media who has since left the group. The Southern Poverty Law Center designates the Proud Boys as a hate group. McInnis denies his group is racist and likens it to the Knights of Columbus and the Shriners. McGinnis himself is a well-known, provocative right-wing commentator. He's been called out as anti-Semitic and he's posted a video listing 10 things he hates about Jews.
3: The Jewish Anti-Defamation League, which monitors hate groups, has said that while the Proud Boys can be described as violent, nationalistic, Islamophobic, transphobic and misogynistic, its members represent a range of ethnic backgrounds and its leaders vehemently protest against any allegations of racism. So that's all right then. Or maybe not. The US of 2020 seems a troubled place. Since the killing of George Floyd, Black Lives Matter protests, police reaction and right-wing counter-protests have led to disturbing scenes on the otherwise deserted streets.
2: If our mere presence causes people to want to commit acts of violence, we're not afraid to defend ourselves.
3: In the potentially violent mix are the Proud Boys, a gang clad in black and yellow, who you might as readily see fighting left-wing demonstrators or milling around providing unofficial security at a Trump pickup truck rally. Sarah Baxter checked out one such rally in Cleveland, Ohio for the Sunday Times.
4: It's a bunch of very patriotic Americans who love to fly the flag, and they are the super fans of Donald Trump. Any vehicle can attend a pickup rally, but mostly they're pickup trucks because Americans love their massive pickup trucks, and they attach Trump-Pence flags, huge ones flying from the back. And the pickup parades are rather like those boat parades that the Trumpians have been having on places like Lake Erie or Cleveland. the Trump enthusiasts can really come out in force and say they love the president. And the Republicans are very proud of these rallies because it's a way of showing in the time of COVID that you are 100 percent behind Donald Trump. And Joe Biden's campaign has been very virtual because they've been so cautious about COVID-19 that they've been having a very, very quiet ground game. and. This kind of idea of the pickup rally, the vehicle caravan for Trump, the boat parade, this was only going to build up pace in the last 30 days of the campaign. But of course, the fact that the president has COVID-19 himself has thrown all those plans into disarray. I still think, though, we'll see these caravans and boat parades because they're a way of being in your own vehicle, in your own space, and signaling very, very noisy support for Donald Trump. So they ride through town and as they pass by I heard lots of people also shouting out racist out the windows (laughs) but they're very flamboyant and quite good fun to go along and see.
3: Until recently Sarah was the Sunday Times deputy editor but she's upped sticks and now lives in Pennsylvania.
4: Writing an American diary for the Sunday Times And it's going back to my roots because my mother is American and I lived in America as a child. I lived for a year in Cleveland and for another three years in Montgomery, Alabama at the height of the civil rights movement. I then left, became very British teenage girl, (laughs) went on to work most of my life in Britain, but returned to America in 2001 to be New York correspondent for the Sunday Times. And a few weeks after I arrived, 9-11 happened. I then went on to cover the election of Barack Obama as Washington correspondent for the Sunday Times.
3: And all that time I thought you were one of us when really you were always one of them.
4: I was an undercover dual national. So, how did she come to meet up with the Proud Boys? Americans love a good tailgate, and they gathered together at the end of the rally at this Steak and Lube Truckers Cafe just outside Cleveland, Ohio, and that's where I found them. I was going to just be trotting along to talk to the pickup truck um, owners, but instead found this massive white bus emblazoned the Proud Boys there and thought, hello, I'll go and talk to them.
3: Had you heard anything about the Proud Boys before you saw that bus?
4: I had. They were known to be spoiling for a fight with Antifa, their great enemies. They claim they don't start those fights. They boast about finishing them. And they consider themselves to be a citizen's army to take on the far left. And... So, when I saw them, I can't say that I knew a lot about them at that stage. but I knew they'd be interesting to talk to, so I went to find out what was going on.
3: Antifa, anti-fascist, is the term used to describe amorphous, far-left-leaning movements that seek to confront what they believe to be neo-Nazis and white
4: supremacists. They are also very violent, no doubt about it. Donald Trump has tried to make out that they're very organized. I think that's over the top. In fact, the FBI themselves has said they're not a properly organized group. They're more of a rabble of protesters. I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right wing problem, own this own is a left wing. They have caused a lot of destruction in the inner cities that the Republicans have been using as an example of look what happens when the Democrats are on the show. Your cities aren't safe.
3: So essentially, their bus was amongst all these pickups in this parking lot by this diner.
4: The Proud Boys see themselves as the unofficial bodyguards of such events, just in case there's any trouble. They like to think that if Antifa turns up, they'll be there. But the really disturbing thing, of course, is that they're heavily armed, that there were a lot of AR-15-style rifles in that bus. And one of the members of the Proud Boys, Aaron, proudly showed off his kit.
3: Even if you're no gun aficionado, the AR-15 is an assault rifle you may have heard of, as they seem to be a favoured weapon of mass shooters in the US.
4: I met Aaron round the back of the bus, and he looked fit. He had a Proud Boy tattoo, as they all do, by the way. It's one of the initiation rites. You must get a Proud Boy tattoo. Muscly arms, bit of a beard, quite good looking, and wearing dark shades and an American flag mask.
3: So if you'd seen him walking down a London street, you know, with a jacket on, you'd have just thought, what, he was another hipster? Absolutely. Totally. And how did he take to you? Did he seem to be pleased to meet a British journalist, bemused by it, playing to the gallery?
4: Do you know, he was a polite young man. He was very nice. I took his phone number and spoke to him again after President Trump got COVID-19. And he was always charming and affable.
2: I just got a notification on my phone and, and saw that he had gotten tough positive.
4: And what was the reaction?
2: I mean, with the, the high rival rate of it, I'm just confident he's going to be fine. I'm not worried about it one bit.
3: When Sarah met him, Aaron was wearing the black and yellow Fred Perry polo shirt the Proud Boys have adopted as their uniform, an association which has led the company to withdrawing the design
4: from sale in North America. He told me that they were the colours of ANCAP, Anarchist, capitalism. So at the black for anarchy, the yellow or the gold was for capitalism because they believe in the free market, private property. NCAP
2: is, is an idea that's not, you know, exactly tied to the Proud Boys. The color scheme, I guess, was just adopted from it. The uh, outfits that we wear, the, the black and yellow Fred Perry. I mean, that's something that, you know, different subculture groups have worn, you know, in, in the UK and, and now here in the United States.
3: Is that what libertarianism, an anarchist capitalist?
4: Yes, they're libertarians. They believe in the decriminalization of drugs. They're against the war on drugs.
3: Individual rights, anti-drug
2: war, anti-racial guilt, anti-racism, you know, venerating the housewife, glorifying the entrepreneur, free market capitalism and America first.
4: So they're very, very libertarian. But of course, along with libertarianism goes the right to bear arms. Big supporters, of course, of America's Second Amendment. And they don't just mean a small handgun, they mean a really powerful semi-automatic. So
3: you met the Proud Boys before they got mentioned during the Trump-Biden debate, uh, and you knew a little bit about them. What did you think you knew and what did you learn as you spoke to them?
4: Well, I did think they were out-and-out white supremacists. They were very, very insistent that they were not. And I mean, this was just as I was interviewing them. They had a kind of double speak where they would talk very much about how incredibly non-white supremacist they were. It was quite politically correct, their way of speaking. We're very open to gays, blacks. We have Palestinian members, we have Jewish members. We're open to everybody. It's all about the ideas. And to some extent, they're right. I mean, they do have people from different races, different backgrounds in their group but they've also got this peculiar habit that the alt-right has of trolling you at the same time as they're telling you these things. So, for example, I'm being told that they're not white supremacists, but when one of them, Mike, was posing for a picture, he was making that kind of jokey white supremacist symbol, that it's the old OK symbol.
3: The three fingers make a W, while the thumb and
4: forefinger and
3: arm make a P. W-P. White power.
4: This very idea started as a joke on the Liberals. (laughs) They even think the OK sign is a white power sign. But you know what? It's becoming knowingly used now by these groups as a sort of signifier that, yeah, they're mocking you. Yeah, we are white power. No, we're not white power. And the bus itself was blaring music like.
1: If heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I don't want to go. If heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I just assume stay
4: home. If heaven don't look a lot like Dixie, I'm not going. And I don't want to go there by Hank Williams, Jr. And I've lived in Dixie. Three years of my childhood was spent in Alabama. And I know that when I lived there as a young girl, it was basically a white supremacist state. And a song that is lauding Alabama, like Hank Williams, Jr., is basically saying, we like the good old days. And the good old days of Alabama were the good old days of slavery and jim crow
3: when black people knew their place
4: when black people knew their place so there's this constant doublespeak it's very politically correct but secretly what are they i mean but later i spoke to aaron about tommy robinson and he denied to me that tommy robinson even was alt right
2: i'd call him more of a right-leaning centrist, really i think that it's not extreme to be a nationalist you look throughout history
4: you so said Tommy Robinson is a centrist. That gives you some indication of where they're coming from. What do they
3: actually believe in? What are their politics?
4: So they describe themselves as chauvinists and defenders of Western civilization. Now, it was explained to me that the term chauvinist, as well, is misunderstood. It doesn't mean that they're male chauvinist pigs, although they do, it has to be said, venerate the housewife. They say they have respect for working women as well but they literally say they venerate. That's the word they use, the housewife. But the idea of being chauvinist is about national pride, national chauvinism. And they think that they are defending Western civilization. They say the good old days were good days. They're not gonna have the left rewrite the history of America and pretend that everything America did was bad. America's a beacon of freedom. It's a beacon of success it's the most wonderful country in the world and they're proud of it and that goes with their name the proud boys as well so that's what they believe in but of course part of their jokiness i mean i discovered that even the name proud boys is one of those self-mocking things it comes from the stage musical of the disney version of aladdin where Aladdin says, you think I'm a bad boy, but you'll be proud of me, Ma. And the founder of the Proud Boys, um, Gavin McInnes, described it as the most appalling song in the world. So they've got this kind of humorous satirical edge, which makes them deliberately hard to pin down, but there's no question about it. They think the left is trying to rewrite the history of America and that they are the patriotic defenders of it.
3: So let's get this a bit clearer insofar as we can. When they say they're defending the good old days, when do they think the good old days were? And insofar as they're defending civilization from somebody, who do they think
4: that somebody is? Well, they reserve their special contempt for Antifa. But to be frank, I think they think that even Joe Biden is part and parcel of that. You can be the most moderate Democrat in the world and you're too left wing for the Proud Boys. And they definitely see the left as the enemy of America, the enemy within.
3: Do they believe that they have to take up arms to defend that America?
4: They say they have arms, which they will use if necessary. They are very insistent, and I'm going to be careful about this, that they do not start fights, but that they will finish them. And I find that equally sinister, really, because if you've seen the weapons they're carrying, they are very serious, semi-automatic weapons indeed. And one of the things I found chilling about their battle bus, looking into it, is that the firearms were placed just below the windows. And that's not just a place where you can just grab and go with those weapons. If necessary, you could fire out of the bus with those weapons. They're right there beneath the window. And I found that rather chilling sight. So, if there was any violence at all on the streets, that means there's a heavily armed gang of so-called Proud Boys out there who are willing to join in the melee. And I find that disturbing.
3: Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Search thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know how it is. Sometimes people who make the biggest show of this kind of thing are actually the most afraid, but sometimes they're not. Did you get a sense about whether these were people who really would like a fight and would like to have to use those arms or essentially people who'd like to brandish them but would run away?
4: I think they like the swagger. I think they like the fraternity idea of the brotherhood. I mean, this is giving these guys a sense of community.
2: You know, men's clubs used to be very popular. um, And it was in the late eighties, I think, that they started to rate them as sexist, inherently sexist. And so they started shutting them all down. And, you know, my father was part of a fraternal organization. His father was part of a fraternal organization. And we, frankly, had nothing until uh, the Proud Boys came around
4: they like to hang out together and talk about their weapons they like to hang out have a beer complain about antifa and the left do they actually like street fighting i'm afraid to say i think they do because one of the initiation rights for being a proud boy there are various degrees of membership and the further up you go the more things you've had to achieve and one of them is to get into a physical altercation with antifa and they do but Again, they say they're not looking for it, but if they, if there is a fight, they'll be there. Now, of course they are looking for it because if they hear there's trouble, they'll go there. Or on debate night in Cleveland, the Proud Boys were also out on the streets that night in case there were mass protests against Donald Trump's presence in the city. So the first outbreak of trouble, they could definitely weigh in. And I don't think they're that scared of doing so either because they're pumped up, they've got the weapons, they've got the... The band of brothers to egg each other on and i think it's a very combustible situation where do they come from what kind of backgrounds
3: do they largely come from
4: the one that i spoke for the longest to aaron tells me he works in health administration so i think they come from very ordinary backgrounds but they're people who for one reason or another felt a little bit lost and they felt politically unrepresented
3: It's very hard to know how many active Proud Boys there are. In the world of paramilitary gangs, a little can go a long way.
4: They're still fairly young men, about late 20s, early 30s, most of them. They felt very politically homeless in 2016.
2: After the 2016 election, most of my friends ended up being on the left and they really wanted nothing to do with me. And and frankly, I didn't really want much to do with them with the ideals that they were espousing on, on social media. Um, so I just sort of, you know, hung out by myself in a, in a place of solitude for a while.
4: they are people who feel that their status in society is vanishing and they found a new bond here. But they're from very ordinary backgrounds. I mean, at one stage I said to them, were they incels? And of course they got very upset about that. Said that was a cheap lowball insult.
2: Just labelling us incels because we don't, espouse whatever rhetoric you know the left might state i mean that's just a cheap low ball insult that doesn't really register with us
4: Incels, shorthand for involuntary celibate young men who feel they haven't quite got their footing in society and are hanging out women hating at home probably watching too much porn
3: because women won't have them yes and they resent that
4: they do Okay, <laughs> well, and it's also why one of the proud boy rules, if you're ready to hear this, David, is no wanking. Uh, they themselves call it the no wanks rule.
2: To basically get uh, young men who are spending way too much time at home in front of their phones or their their computer and get them out, get them talking to females, and get them in the dating scene to, you know, to, to be real men and, and to not sit at home. Uh, wasting their their time and energy, uh, you know, wanking.
4: They don't want young men sitting at home on their couch watching too much porn. They want them to get out onto the streets, meet real people, real women, they say.
3: Let's take a a moment to just to kind of digest uh, this. And But I have to say that that makes them sound very unserious. And if you're part of the Republican Party and part of the big campaign to support Trump, didn't you get the impression it's rather embarrassing to have the support of people who like fighting and have rules like no self-pleasuring except once
4: a month? David, you would think so, wouldn't you? But the fact is that asked on stage at the debate in Cleveland, Ohio, about the Proud Boys, the president of, the, of America did not disown them. What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me white a name. White supremacists and white right and like white Proud, boy. and right Proud Boys. Boys, stand back and stand by. But he I'll... said, stand back and stand by, which, of course, the Proud Boys were thrilled about.
2: I just found it amusing. Um, I knew that it was going to get a big influx of new recruits. And uh, I just really thought it was was funny. And the fact that our organisation, which started as a joke, has gotten so big that it's being brought up on the debate stage.
3: How did you think they understood what he said there? Because what some Trump supporters have said was that what he was really trying to do was just trying to say, go away, and he doesn't really know who they are.
0: I don't know who the Proud Boys are. I mean, you'll have to give me a definition because I really don't know who they are.
4: But that wasn't the way they reacted to it. No, well, the leader of the Proud Boys, Enrico Tarrio, who calls himself Afro-Cuban, so he's another example of why they don't consider themselves to be in any way racist, immediately put out a message on social media saying, standing back and standing by, sir. And there were lots of funny memes on the internet with pictures of Generalissimo Trump in the full Proud Boy black and yellow colors with them saluting him. The Proud Boys that I spoke to after the debate, they actually took the official public line. They're very skilled at this, saying, well, of course, it wasn't altogether serious. And I'm sure Donald Trump didn't mean to be sounding so sympathetic to us, etc. But of course, they were absolutely cock-a-hoop and believe it's been a great uh, recruiting tool for them.
3: One of the things that people have been worrying about is what will happen if the election result was contested or in doubt for a while. Are you at all worried about how people like this might behave if, let's say, the election result is contested, but it looks like it's gone against Donald Trump?
4: I am worried. If there are any street battles, groups like the Proud Boys will be there. And they're not so numerous, but there are an awful lot of people in America with very, very dangerous weapons and very, very odd beliefs about how the Democrats are determined to steal the election. And if they all start coming out into the streets, we've got a real tinderbox situation.
2: I suppose the role for us would be to stand back and stand by and see what develops. And uh, in situations where, you know, if something goes south and the law enforcement has to get control of things, you know, we we leave it up to them. And then if they're being told to stand down, maybe that would be a situation where Prague would have to do something uh, locally or, you know, somewhere.
4: So I am actually genuinely worried about that. It's not that I don't think there won't be a clear result in the end. I just think there's going to be a lot of disgruntled, heavily armed people out there.
3: Now, you're very much in the heart of Trump country now. That's where you're living in, in Pennsylvania. How do you feel that the ordinary Republican and Trump voters and supporters are reacting to having these people like the Proud Boys and the other armed people around them?
4: I think they are so dug in with their support for Donald Trump, they just love the president, that nothing is going to make them change their mind. Not threats of violence, not election chaos, not the fact that the president has caught COVID-19. They are sticking by him through and through. I mean, the question is, is what's gonna happen at the margins with swing voters and independent voters? Trump's base is 100% loyal.
3: So what is it that makes them
4: so loyal? A lot of the people I've spoken to in this part of Pennsylvania that I'm in also say, well, there are a lot of economic benefits to voting for Trump. And that's fascinating because in even the most recent post-COVID-19 polls, since the news that the president himself had got sick, have shown that Trump still is ahead on who do you trust most on the economy. And these rust-belt states like Pennsylvania, quite honestly, aren't as rusty as they once were. They've been doing quite well out of things like the shale revolution, fracking. That's brought thousands of jobs to Pennsylvania and a lot of prosperity. And they, for the first time in decades, America is energy independent. So a lot of people think that he's brought jobs back. The stock market has been booming. Now, the Democrats like to say, well, that doesn't affect anybody. But actually, it does affect people because their pensions are completely tied up in the stock market. It's called the 401ks, they're called, and they see what they're worth all the time. And they saw that they were rising under Trump. They then collapsed. They cratered with the onset of the pandemic. But they really have had a V-shaped recovery and stocks are right back up again. So there are a lot of economic reasons why people here are able to say, well, forget all that background noise. Trump's been a good president. He's done what he said he would do, and he's delivering for us. And that's still going to be the case as they walk into the polls on November the 3rd, no matter what's been happening with the Proud Boys, or even what's been happening to Donald Trump over COVID-19.
3: So in other words, they're not fighting the culture wars. That's not what's most
4: important to them. Some are, most aren't. Most of them are saying, look, yeah, he's a bit of a dumbass sometimes. And why doesn't he dial it down a bit? That's what I hear a lot. She dial it down a bit or get off Twitter. But overall, the people who voted for Trump in 2016 are sticking by him because they think he's been a decent president for them. They don't think his behavior has been particularly decent, but they think that the results have been good for them. And that matters.
3: You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, David Aronovich, and my guest, former Sunday Times Deputy Editor Sarah Baxter. You can read more of Sarah's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print on Sundays. The producer was Edward Drummond, executive producer is Poppy Damon, sound design was by Nicola Rawfast, music by breakmaster Cylinder and Ketzer. This podcast was brought to you thanks to the support of the readers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast. And now we're available on the Times Radio app, along with all the other podcasts from the Times. To download the app, search for Times Radio on your app store. See you again soon. This podcast was brought to you thanks to the support of readers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.